Hello, friends. It's June 5th. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher serving in the greater Boston area here at the New Life Ministry Center in Concord, Massachusetts. Each day we are reading a portion from the Old and New Testaments as they are divvied up in the One Year Bible. We also read from the Bible's prayer and songbook, the Book of Psalms, and dip into the wisdom literature of the Book of Proverbs, as a proverb a day keeps foolishness away, as I always say. Today we will complete our reading through the 10th book of the Old Testament, the book of 2 Samuel. We are in the historical books of the Old Testament, dealing with the kings of Israel. We learn that God keeps his covenant promises with the nation of Israel, but he also holds them accountable. Israel had the distinction of all the people on the earth of being a theocracy. The people were bound to the Lord in the Mosaic Covenant and they will be dealt with directly by the government of God, for he spelled out their covenant obligations to heed his word. They are consistently reminded that the Lord upholds justice in demanding that sin be punished, but he also spelled out that his nature of compassion and mercy will be upheld on the terms of the tabernacle, which is a placeholder for his provision for the atonement of sin. In Second Samuel, the nation experienced famine as a result of the sin of the ruling house of Saul, when they violated their covenant with the Gibeonites. Two days ago in our reading, we saw how that sin had to be put right, and the house of Saul was punished. Now as we come to the close of Second Samuel, we'll see how David, to whom God had shown mercy, is also held accountable for his leadership sins. There needs to be rectification. The big signpost to the means of that rectification is his purchase of the threshing floor of Aruna on the mountains of Moriah, which will become the foundation of the temple to be built in Jerusalem, where the once and for all atoning sacrifice will be offered a thousand years later on the altar of Mount Calvary. So let's go to our final reading on our excursion through the Bible from the book of Second Samuel. We're going to start with chapter 23, verse 24, and we will read through to the end of the book in the following chapter. So are you ready? Second Samuel chapter 23, verse 24, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Asahel, the brother of Joab, was one of the thirty. Elhanan, the son of Dodo of Bethlehem, Shammah of Harod, Elika of Harod, Helez the Peltite, Ira, the son of Ikash of Tekoa, Abiezar of Anathoth, Mabunai the Hushathite, Zalmon the Ahohite, Maharai of Netophah, Heleb, the son of Baana of Netophah, Etai, the son of Ribai of Gibeah, of the people of Benjamin, Beniah of Pirathon, Hidai of the brooks of Gaash, Abi Albon the Arbathite, Asmaveth of Baharim, Eliabah the Shaalbonite, the sons of Jashen, Jonathan Shammah the Hararite, Ahiam the son of Sharar the Hararite, Eliphalet the son of Ahazbai of Maaka, Eliam the son of Ahithophel the Gilonite, Hezro of Carmel, Paarai the Arbite, Igal the son of Nathan of Zobah, Bani the Gadite, Zelek the Ammonite, Naharai of Beeroth, the armor-bearer of Joab the son of Zeruiah, Ira the Ithrite, Garab the Ithrite, Uriah the Hittite, thirty-seven in all. Chapter 24 Again the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go, number Israel and Judah. 
So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army, who was with him, Go through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and number the people, that I may know the number of the people. But Joab said to the king, May the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times as many as they are, while the eyes of my lord the king still see it. But why does my lord the king delight in this thing? But the king's word prevailed against Joab and the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out from the presence of the king to number the people of Israel. They crossed the Jordan and began from Aroer, and from the city that is in the middle of the valley, toward Gad, and on to Jazer. Then they came to Gilead and to Kadesh in the land of the Hittites. And they came to Dan, and from Dan they went around to Sidon, and came to the fortress of Tyre, and to all the cities of the Hivites and Canaanites. And they went out to the Negev of Judah at Beersheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and twenty days. And Joab gave the sum of the numbering of the people to the king, In Israel there were eight hundred thousand valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were five hundred thousand. But David's heart struck him after he had numbered the people. And David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. And when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say to David, Thus says the Lord, Three things I offer you. Choose one of them, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him, and said to him, Shall three years of famine come to you in your land? Or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days of pestilence in your land? Now consider and decide what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great, but let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel from the morning until the appointed time, and there died of the people from Dan to Beersheba seventy thousand men. And when the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who was working destruction among the people, It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arona, the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Behold, I have sinned, and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up. Raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arona, the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word, as the Lord commanded. And when Arona looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Arona went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And Arona said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? David said, to buy the threshing floor from you, in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Arauna said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering, and the threshing sledges, and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, O king, 
Arauna gives to the king. And Arauna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Arauna, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land, and the plague was averted from Israel. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament book of Second Samuel. Now, as is our custom, let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read and point out some highlights. We started our reading with that long list of unusual names. Remember the ragtag army that initially gathered around David when he was a refuge fleeing King Saul in the cave of Adullam? In 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1, they were described then as men who were in distress, in debt, and discontent. They did not sound very promising, but they soon became known as David and his mighty men, and later as the mighty men. Yesterday we read about the three mighty men, Adino, Eleazar, and Shammah. Abishai received great honor, but did not attain unto the three. The competition was quite stiff. Benaiah, who slew a lion in a pit on a snowy day, received honorable mention, but he also did not attain to the three. In verses 24 through 39, we read the names of the rest of the mighty men, 37 in all. Included in this list, in verse 39, is a sad reminder of David's sin. David sinned against and murdered one of his mighty men, Uriah the Hittite, when he tried to cover up his adulterous affair with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 29. In chapter 24, we read once again that Israel and David anger the Lord. When David committed adultery with Bathsheba, it was evil in the sight of the Lord, in 2 Samuel 11:27, and David would be chastised for it. Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. We don't know what it was about Israel's behavior that angered the Lord. There are so many events to choose from, perhaps because they were so unfaithful as to follow Absalom and Sheba in their rebellions. David is incited to order a census. The Lord did not call for it. In his insecurity, perhaps, David wanted to test the solidity of the people's commitment and to know how vast his kingdom had become. We see how power and position can corrupt the heart. It was pride and reliance on his own strength and his own numbers that had captivated his heart. This should give us pause when we start new projects. What is the motive? In 1 Chronicles chapter 21, we learn that Satan was also involved in inciting David to number the people. Joab, David's nephew, did his best to dissuade David from making this mistake. So did the other commanders of his army. But Joab said to the king, Now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times as many as they are, while the eyes of my lord the king still see. But why does my lord the king delight in this thing? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out from the presence of the king to register the people of Israel. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. The numbering of Israel took nine months and twenty days. Joab gave David the numbers. There were 800,000 valiant men in Israel who drew the sword and 500,000 in Judah. In 1 Chronicles chapter 21, the number is larger. 
We also learned that Joab did not include Levi and Benjamin in the numberings. The Bible Knowledge Commentary offers this insight, quote, the figures in First Chronicles are 1,100,000 men in Israel and 470,000 in Judah, but the chronicler wrote that the Levites and Benjamites were not included in First Chronicles chapter 21, verses 5 and 6. The reconciliation of the data may lie in the possibility that 1,100,000 describes the grand total for Israel, including the standing army, which consisted of 12 units of 24,000 men each, 288,000 in 1 Chronicles chapter 27, verses 1 through 15, plus 12,000, especially attached to Jerusalem and the chariot cities in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 14. These 300,000, subtracted from 1,100,000, would yield the 800,000 figure in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 9. Also, the chronicler may not have included the 30,000-man standing army of Judah in chapter 6, verse 1, whereas they were included in chapter 24. This would raise the 470,000 total of chronicles to the 500,000 of Samuel. This is only one solution, but with so little information available as to how the sums were obtained, nothing further can be said with certainty. End quote. David recognizes he has sinned against the Lord and grieved the Spirit. He repents on his prideful error. Now David's heart troubled him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have acted foolishly. 2 Samuel 24, verse 10 The word of the Lord comes to David through the prophet Gad, that he and his people must receive the due punishment for their sins. The Lord offers him the option of seven years of famine, three months of war, or three days of pestilence. David tells Gad that he puts his trust in God's mercy and trusts his righteous dealings, but do not let me fall into the hands of man. So a pestilence is sent upon the land and 70,000 men die. When the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who destroyed the people, It is enough, now relax your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arauna, the Jebusite. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 16. David is grieved that people are suffering because of his sin. He cries out to the Lord as he sees the angel striking down people. The prophet tells David that the plague can be arrested if he erects an altar on the threshing floor of Arauna and makes offerings upon it. David is obedient and offers to purchase the threshing floor of Arauna. Arauna offers to give it to him as a gift, including the animals to sacrifice on the altar. This threshing floor becomes the temple mount in Jerusalem and is on the same shelf of rock, Moriah, where Abraham attempted to offer his son in obedience to the word of God. David replies to Arauna, However, the king said to Arauna, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, for I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. Now let's go to today's reading from the New Testament, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 26, the healing of the lame man at the temple gate, the lame beggar healed. Chapter 3. 
Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us, as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament book of Acts. In this account of Peter and John encountering the lame beggar in Acts chapter 3, we witness the powerful effect that takes place when the church engages the outside world with the gospel. This is the first and most lengthy account of a physical healing in the book of Acts. Luke takes the time to record this incident because he wants us to understand that it led to the first confrontation with the religious authorities and the first persecution of the church. Peter and John see the man who had been a fixture at the temple gate called Beautiful. The layman had been around during Jesus' ministry, but perhaps had not encountered him. 
As the lame man begs for alms, Peter and John command his attention and, directed by the Spirit, command a miracle. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. Acts chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. It is a straightforward account. The man stands upright. He walks. He leaps. He goes where he could not go before. He goes into the temple with Peter and John, praising God. Peter takes the opportunity to preach Christ when he sees that a crowd is being gathered to observe the healed man. Peter makes it clear that God is glorifying the name of the very same Jesus whom they had only months ago called to be crucified. Peter refers to Jesus as the Holy and Righteous One, the Prince of Life, the one that had been crucified and God has raised from the dead. On the basis of faith in His name and the faith that comes through Him, this man now stands before them in perfect health. Peter boldly announces that Jesus is the one who was foretold by the prophets in Acts chapter 3, verse 24, the promised seed of Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 3, and Acts chapter 3, verse 25, and the prophet Moses foretold as the one to whom all obedience was due in Acts chapter 3, verse 22. Reject him at your own peril, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 19, and Acts chapter 3, verse 23. Peter preaches not only who Jesus is, but what he has accomplished in the cross. He proclaims the purpose of his death, burial, and resurrection as our substitute, so that our sins may be wiped away and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. He calls upon his hearers to repent and believe. Now let's go to the Bible's songbook, Psalm 123, verses 1 through 4. Our eyes look to the Lord our God. This is the fourth song of ascents. Psalm 123. To you I lift up my eyes. O you who are enthroned in the heavens, behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid servant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt of the proud. This concludes the reading from Psalm 123. The song is another psalm of pilgrimage. As pilgrims go up to Jerusalem, they need to lift their eyes up to the Lord. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Psalm 123, verse 1. Our eyes look to the Lord. He is where our help comes from. We also need to reflect upon our journey as we get closer to the heavenly city. What do we do when our souls observe the contempt, scoffing, and ridicule of the world? What do we do when our feet need cleansing? Perhaps we get defiled or deceived. As the maiden looks to the hand of her mistress and the servant to the hand of his master, so we look to the Lord with our earnest plea, Be gracious to us. Psalm 123, verse 3. And now for today's reading from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 21 through 23. The wise of heart is called discerning, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it, but the instruction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. 
Wise speech will bolster your reputation as one who has understanding and is competent. Jesus said that our speech reveals what is in our heart. Therefore, it is wise to get a new heart in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, to gain understanding before speaking and to use words that respectfully engage the hearer. Let's respond to our reading today by coming before the Lord in prayer. Lord, search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me, lest I sin against you and others. You know every thought and motive of the heart. As David prayed, create in me a clean heart. Keep me from presumptuous sins and the sins of pride. May my confidence be only in you, my strength, my song, and my salvation. May I be bold to offer what I have in you to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope that you are encouraged, edified, and excited about being part of the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. And we look forward to starting a new section of the historical books in the Old Testament, the book of 1 Kings. So until next time, may you stand fully assured in the revealed will of God. We invite you to tell others about our podcast and also let them know that they can subscribe to a written copy of our commentary by going to our website, newlife.org. And you can also contact us with your questions and comments by sending an email to podcast at newlife.org. Hope to join with you tomorrow. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus.